What's going on, family? It's Timmy and GB Gerard Bonner, and this is your faction quick hits. I hope you guys are doing well. I hope everything is going fantastic for you guys, and I hope that you have been enjoying our special three-part series as we are recapping Summer Slam weekend. As we always do, a big thank you to everyone who's hanging out with us, and those of you who are brand new, who you've just joined us because of this Summer Slam recap, we really, really appreciate it. It's been a big weekend, and we didn't want to just try to pack it in to one episode. We figured we'd give each event its just due. So if you're just following us, make sure you're doing that at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you're subscribed to our podcast, thank you so much. Share what we're doing with a friend. If you're brand new, welcome aboard. Click that subscribe button wherever you're joining us and stay connected to us for the ride on a much more permanent basis. With that said, it's time to get into part three of our SummerSlam weekend recap. Episode one of this, we dealt with the first dance and everything that happened on Friday night, SmackDown, Emergence, AEW Rampage. The next show recapped all things SummerSlam, and it was a pretty strong deep dive into that. I hope you guys enjoyed that, as many of your comments are indicating that you did. So with that said, it's time to jump into Sunday, Sunday being NXT TakeOver 36. NXT TakeOver 36 took place in Orlando at the Capitol Wrestling Center, and this was perhaps the most unusual NXT TakeOver of all time. Here's why. First and foremost, as NXT has grown, NXT TakeOver is usually connected to one of the larger events. So Mania, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, the takeover usually happens the night before. In fact, just a few months ago for WrestleMania 37, we saw NXT TakeOver as a two-night experience, much like the two-night WrestleMania. So that's not uncommon, and of course it preceded WrestleMania. This time around, things were different, and things are different. It felt different. NXT TakeOver took place the night after SummerSlam. It did not take place in Las Vegas, and some folks actually think that's because there was a major boxing match happening on that Sunday, which is part of the reason why SummerSlam was on Saturday. With that said, TakeOver felt different. Perhaps it was because of the rumors surrounding NXT or the uncertainty, but it all felt very, very different. With that said, let's go over results and then let's talk about some of these rumors, shall we? First of all, the results from NXT TakeOver 36. The pre-show match saw Ridge Holland take on Trey Baxter. Now, we don't normally see very many pre-show matches for NXT TakeOver. Usually, the pre-show is filled with a lot of analysis of the card, but everything generally happens on the TakeOver card. Ridge Holland versus Trey Baxter. Trey Baxter was a part of this year's NXT Breakout Tournament. Rich Holland just returning from injury. He, of course, is paired with former NXT UK champion Pete Dunne. It was pretty much a squash, and I don't know. You know, usually pre-show matches are designed to be the thing that gets you interested in the main card. Nothing about Rich Holland versus Trey Baxter does that. Now, maybe it's just me, but Rich Holland is a little vanilla when it comes to personality, and I know... NXT is all about wrestling, and I'm for that, right? 
but there has to be something that draws me to you. And there's not anything that draws us to Ridge Holland. We should also point out that Ridge Holland really cut his teeth over in NXT UK. And NXT UK would actually have a pretty strong influence on this episode of NXT TakeOver. You'll find out what I mean in just a few minutes. With that said, NXT TakeOver 36 began with Cameron Grimes taking on LA Knight for the Million Dollar Championship. If Cameron Grimes won, he becomes the Million Dollar Champion. If LA Knight retains, then the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, becomes the Million Dollar Butler. I have to say this, and again, I didn't really comment on this publicly, but something seemed off with Cameron Grimes. And I don't know if he had gotten some news before, if he kind of had the weight of, you know, this being the last NXT takeover as we know it. I don't know what it was, but certainly something seemed off with him. He won the match. It was a great match. These two tell a great story together, and uh, I enjoyed the match, but I could not help but be distracted by Cameron Grimes and his demeanor. I don't know if, you know, something happened personally. I don't know, again, if this was kind of the weight of, hey, this NXT TakeOver 36 might be the last TakeOver as we know it. And that sounds cryptic, but I've got something that I'm going to share with you that may actually help to support that point. Let's move on to the NXT Women's Championship match. The champ, Raquel Gonzalez, takes on Dakota Kai. These two, of course, had been thick as thieves for quite some time. We knew at some point this day would come, but we didn't know when. Here it is. Gonzalez defeats Dakota Kai with a very impressive powerbomb off of the top rope. I have to say, Raquel Gonzalez perhaps looks the best she's ever looked in this match. She looks like she really is starting to fill that role as the NXT. NXT Women's Champion, and that's really important. If you think about previous NXT Women's Champions, they all belonged there, whether it was Asuka or going back to even Charlotte Flair or as of late, Io Shirai. These ladies really were dominant as the NXT Women's Champion. We're starting to see Raquel Gonzalez come into her own and I really think that she definitely has a lot of opportunity to continue holding this title while she continues to grow and develop. Now we go to the top three matches, which many could consider all main event matches. The NXT UK Championship match. Ilya Dragunov taking on Walter. Walter had an 870-day reign. Right now, the only other champion in the modern era that even remotely has anything close to that would be the NWA champion, Nick Aldis, who's been champion for over a 1,000 days. However, in comma, I view those two titles very differently based on frequency of title defenses, based on activity, etc., etc., etc. Walter... I would say is head and shoulders above Nick Aldis, as I believe the NXT UK Championship is head and shoulders above the NWA Championship. Not historically, but currently, okay? With that said, Ilya Dragunov and Walter, many people missed their original match back in October of 2020, which should have been voted match of the year in WWE. It likely wasn't because, again, a lot of people did not watch it on NXT UK on the WWE Network or on Peacock. They didn't watch it. 
but it is worth watching. And the fact that they had that match in an empty arena made me think that this match in front of a live crowd would be incredible. And they did not disappoint. Those two guys can fight forever, but they can't fight every day because they really do need time to be able to rest between those incredibly physical matches. Congratulations to Ilya Dragunov, who wins the NXT UK Championship. I loved everything about this. I love the fact that it was moved from NXT UK to NXT TakeOver. That was a huge decision. It was massive to see that happen. And I definitely think Dragunov and Walter gain new fans. I also like the idea that they actually had Dragunov on NXT television a few weeks before telling the story, getting you accustomed to seeing him, getting you accustomed to seeing his style. Those two are winners. I would love to see them fight again in some takeover or whatever else may be up on the horizon. I don't know, but I definitely think these two guys deserve to be on a larger scale. And some won't agree, but I think this is a WrestleMania caliber match. It would definitely change the viewpoint of WrestleMania if this match was on the card. Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, two out of three falls match. Kyle O'Reilly wins the first match rather quickly by pinfall. It was just a regular straight up match. The second fall went to Adam Cole, where Cole won a street fight in a pretty brutal manner. The third match was a steel cage where Kyle O'Reilly wins by tap out. I have to say, Having been accustomed to Adam Cole matches being 30 to 45 minutes and the matches that he and O'Reilly had, I think this two out of three falls match was my least favorite of their trilogy. They have really told such an incredible story. And again, I don't know if the cloud that's been looming over NXT and looming over this match in particular had something to do with it. But something just didn't feel as it once did. And Cole's tap out at the end, I don't know. That may be the last we see of him in NXT or even WWE. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But overall, not my favorite match from these two compared to the other two classics that they've had. And again, Adam Cole, many call Johnny Gargano Mr. Takeover, but I think Cole really could be called Mr. Takeover because he has not had a bad match. And this was not a bad match. It just didn't compare, I think, to the previous two matches. Last but not least, Samoa Joe defeats Karrion Cross to become the new NXT champion. I think the writing was on the wall for this as soon as Karrion Cross started appearing on Monday Night Raw. And there were a few things. First of all, I've been vocal about how I have not enjoyed Karrion Cross's reign. It seemed evident that Karrion Cross had to lose this so he could spend more time on Monday Night Raw. Karrion Cross, in a press conference that I saw about NXT TakeOver in your house, very plainly said, I'm not going to be in NXT forever, had aspirations for Raw or SmackDown. Uh, so this doesn't surprise me. What does surprise me is that there was no Scarlet Bordeaux, that there was no great carrying cross entrance which that had been really the thing that really captivated us about him the other thing about this that's interesting is Samoa Joe in his first match back since February of 2020 looked incredibly winded 
He did not look like he had been well conditioned for this match. He did not look like he had properly trained. And if he did train, he certainly didn't train for someone of the caliber of Karrion Cross. So it's quite disappointing that Samoa Joe would defeat Karrion Cross like this. Yes, we wanted Karrion Cross's reign to end. Yes, we wanted the Samoa Joe who had previously held two NXT championships to be the Samoa Joe that showed up this time, but that's not what happened. So overall, it didn't feel like NXT TakeOver felt like NXT TakeOver, and perhaps I have the reason why when we return. It's going to be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling. Come on, somebody stop this. Being the monster they thought they wanted. Okay, so... Now that we've talked TakeOver and it feels like we breezed through TakeOver and I wasn't trying to breeze through TakeOver, but I think there are some important things to talk about. We have to address rumors because there are a ton of rumors floating around about NXT and things connected to NXT. Let's start with Adam Cole. Adam Cole, many had been talking about his contract being up and this could be the last time we see him in NXT. There's been talk about him going to Raw or SmackDown if there was interest. Many are talking about how already on his Twitter bio he has removed NXT. There's also talk that AEW is very interested in him. There's also talk that there was not a 90-day non-compete in his contract. So the rumors are flying that we could see Adam Cole perhaps on AEW television as early as this week. None of those things are confirmed, but I will say going into NXT TakeOver with a rumor that Adam Cole could be leaving or that it's his last NXT match that made the match between O'Reilly and Cole feel different. I mean, it just is what it is. And I have to say, one of the saddest stories of 2021 inside of NXT is the implosion and disillusion of the Undisputed Era. I know some things don't last forever, but this is one of those groups that still, I think, had a lot of juice in them. Yes, they had won the tag titles multiple times. Yes, they had, between them all, held all of the titles at some point. The however and comma is, if something's not broke, don't try to fix it. And here's the proof of it. You separate the Undisputed Era and then what happens? Bobby Fish gets released. You have Kyle O'Reilly that you're trying to establish as a solo competitor, and he can only do that against Adam Cole, and it's now believed that Cole may have wrestled his last NXT match. Then on top of that, you separate them so they can all go their separate ways only for Roderick Strong to end up in another group. So why did we do this? It doesn't seem to make sense. Or does it? I want to share with you an interview that was released earlier this week. It was taped the day before SummerSlam. It involved Ariel Helwani from BT Sports. 
and Nick Khan. Nick Khan is the president of WWE. Nick Khan does very few interviews, and the interview itself is about 23 to 24 minutes, a very insightful interview about where he's come from, about the state of WWE, and the future. And for all of the rumors that are out here, Ariel Helwani asks very specifically about the future of NXT. And I want you to hear this in light of having watched NXT TakeOver 36. Check this out. How would you describe the current state of NXT? That seems to be a topic that is making people nervous. What's going on with NXT? NXT and NXT UK, of course, we care about that here for BT Sport. But sure. you know, NXT in America, what's its status? We're doing a complete revamp on NXT uh, led by Triple H, Paul Levesque who was really one of the architects of the original NXT. So what we found, it's part of why we did the tryout yesterday, what we want to make sure is easy for folks who want to be WWE superstars is figuring out how to become WWE superstars. So if you think of the life of an elevated athlete throughout their career, the opportunity to go play somewhere has always been easy. Being able to play somewhere is not. That's what's hard. But if you're an amazing high school football player, colleges come after you, you get recruited, you go into their system, and either you make it or you don't make it. Again, all that it takes to get there, very difficult. But the system, not difficult from my point of view. So we want our system to be an easy system where people who want to be superstars, they know how to get to us and we can get to them. In terms of an NXT rebrand, look for it. In the next couple of weeks, it's going to have a whole new look. It's going to have a whole new feel. And we believe, because a lot of the indie wrestlers, if you will, have come through our system and are in our system with SmackDown and Raw now, we don't want to just keep doing that same thing. We want to look elsewhere for great young talent. Look, feel, what do you mean? Like new logo, new, new, new the look, setting? The look of the show, everything's the production of the show, everything's wow. going to change. Okay, yeah. and that's in the next few weeks? Next few weeks. Okay, so you hear very clearly a couple of things. Thing number one is that there is going to be a massive overhaul of NXT. It's going to happen within the next two to three weeks. That is likely the reason why NXT this week is taping three weeks of television, which seems crazy since NXT being live on the USA Network was a really big thing when they came over to USA, right? So there's that. Then you have the fact that there were massive tryouts in Las Vegas this weekend ahead of SummerSlam. I understand somewhere between 12 to 16 people were signed. Some of them were former wrestlers. Some have never wrestled before. And you hear from the horse's mouth, the horse's mouth being the president of WWE, Nick Khan, that the design for NXT is for it to be a system for people to easily transition into Raw or SmackDown. So what does that mean? What is the code that we have to decipher here? Here's what the code is. It is to say that the current system of NXT is not one that affords people the opportunity to move into Raw or SmackDown effectively. And like it or not, there are way too many cases where this actually holds to be true. How many times have you heard people going from NXT into Raw or SmackDown and suddenly they don't fit and suddenly they are lost in the sauce. The truth of it is there are more names coming from NXT 
into Raw or SmackDown that did not do well than there are that did. So you can look at cases like Damian Priest, cases like the Street Profits, right? You can even look at Elias, who strangely enough did far better on Raw and SmackDown than he did in NXT. Those are examples of three wrestlers who really adopted the WWE system. You could argue Bianca Belair in there as well. Kind of the difference, though, is Bianca Belair had never wrestled before coming to NXT. So she may be an example of how to take the NXT system and allow it to accommodate a WWE superstar. But here's one thing to consider. While she was brand new to WWE when she came to NXT, let's not forget that her initial debut on Raw was the night after WrestleMania 36. Now, why are we talking about that? Because she didn't really hit her stride until she was taken off of TV and brought back onto TV late in 2020. So there was a whole six to eight month period where we didn't see Bianca Belair. What does that mean? Now, I will say this. We all have acknowledged the fact that NXT is far different than Raw or SmackDown. That's agreed. Their products, their brands are completely different. However, if it is the intent of the WWE for NXT to truly be a developmental territory, to truly be a space where wrestlers can go and be fully prepared for WWE, then we have some questions to ask and we have some hard truths to accept. And one of those hard truths is this, NXT had become WWE's indie organization and not WWE's developmental organization. It may have started off as developmental, but quickly it gained a lot of heat. They signed a lot of independent talent to keep them from going other places. As a result, NXT became WWE indie, like it or not, right? I loved it. And I think a lot of other people loved it. It became WWE's actual brand for pro wrestling, while their other brands, Raw and SmackDown, were brands for sports entertainment. The however and comma is, if WWE decides to make this kind of change, which they have, we don't really have much of a choice, right? Here's the other piece of this that is equally concerning. The other piece that's equally concerning is Nick Khan specifically saying, We're not looking to sign independent talent. That is a scary thought. And here's why it's a scary thought. There are a lot of people on the independent circuit who have a desire to apply their craft in what they consider to be the two major promotions being AEW and WWE. This is not a knock to impact Ring of Honor or New Japan. It is to say that the two largest national promotions are WWE and AEW. AEW does not have a current developmental system, though they do give you the opportunity to be on AEW Dark and Dark Elevation, etc., etc., It is not a performance center. It is not designed to be developmental. 
So if independent wrestlers don't have the opportunity now to be signed by WWE, this creates an interesting scenario. Number one, it does mean that we probably should not look to see some of our favorite up-and-coming independent superstars on WWE television because based on what Nick Khan says, there's not really interest in signing them. And to some degree, I understand. And let me explain. You must understand that the independent worker, the independent wrestler, does not know anything about how WWE system is put together. Independent wrestlers, by and large, aren't paying attention to things like camera shots. They aren't paying attention to full-on storytelling. There may be more focus on storytelling, perhaps, for that match, and not necessarily long-term storytelling, which is something that WWE is interested in. There's also not a great emphasis on promos, right? There very much is in WWE. Equally, there may not be as much focus on your physique or your look or your brand. Those are all very different things for the WWE system. Now, let me say this too. It is important for us to understand that the independent wrestler, thankfully, has multiple places to call home now. They're not locked into WWE as being the end-all, be-all, or the only national promotion. They have the opportunity to work in AEW, Impact, New Japan, the NWA, Ring of Honor. There are options that are out there. And in many of those cases, they allow you to work in multiple places. So there are still opportunities for the independent wrestler. I will say this, I don't think that this is going to be a paintbrush, right? Meaning, I don't think this means that no independent wrestlers will find their way to WWE. I think some will, but I don't know that they will be the experienced independent wrestler that we've seen. So what that means is this, and let's think about this. That means the next CM Punk, the next Brian Danielson, the next Samoa Joe may not ever make their way to WWE unless they are a super young talent that can still be molded, right? So this is perhaps a great thing that AEW is available. Perhaps it's a great thing that these other organizations are available, but I will say this too. AEW can't potentially sign all independent wrestlers, you know, because you have a cap, you have a limit. You only have so much television time for them to apply their craft. So what happens now? Well, here's what we know. I hope we enjoyed NXT TakeOver 36. I don't know if there will be another NXT TakeOver. There might be. But we do know that the entire show is getting an overhaul. It's getting a new look, new production, new camera shots. Does it also mean new content? What's going to happen over the next three weeks in NXT television? I think that's wildly important. I think, for instance, whoever wins the NXT breakout tournament will be a clear indicator of what WWE is looking for in the future. Will it be the 400-pound, 6-foot-6 Odyssey Jones, or will it be the smaller, faster Carmelo Hayes? Some people ask, why does this matter? It does matter because you will see in NXT what they believe the future for WWE to be. Here's my concern. Does this mean that the caliber and quality of matches in NXT will change? I don't know. Does this mean that NXT will revert to a format that is less wrestling-based and more entertainment-based? I don't know. 
What happens to the people who are currently in NXT? Do they all get scrapped and NXT start from scratch? Or do they find their way being migrated into Raw or SmackDown? Or are they still allowed to stay in the NXT system? Here's what I will say. You do need, if you're going to have a developmental crew, you still need experienced folks. You can't have a bunch of new people working with a bunch of new people because somebody's going to get hurt. You need someone with experience there. Perhaps that's why Samoa Joe is the new NXT champion. But for how long? So there are a lot more questions and answers coming out of SummerSlam weekend surrounding NXT. But as we heard from Nick Khan, one thing is for sure. NXT is about to significantly change. How do you feel about the potential change that you heard directly from the mouth of Nick Khan? By the way, if you want to watch that interview, uh, that full interview, I think we'll go ahead and post it on our Facebook page. You can check out the full interview. It is really an intriguing interview, to say the least. You learn a lot about the thought process of Nick Khan and the WWE and perhaps what the future can hold for this international brand. All right, I want to hear your thoughts on the future of NXT and on NXT TakeOver. Hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show and let us know. Until next time, family, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. This has been your complete SummerSlam recap. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Salad, my